Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5 and then 12 through 17. I'm reading from a New King James Version. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Verse 12, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And this morning, I want to talk to us from a very simple thought, and that is following Jesus' lead in serving. Following Jesus' lead in serving. Now, I never paid as much attention to the beginning of this text. You know how sometimes when it's a text that you're familiar with, uh, I know y'all are super spiritual and this doesn't happen to you. But if it's, a, if it's a passage that I'm familiar with, I might read and not pay close attention. And, but then you have those moments when the Holy Ghost just arrests you. And so I really, I knew where I wanted to be, Pastor Fern, in the text. But he said, now I need you to back up and just think about this for a moment. In those first three verses, you and I notice this. Jesus faces death. Because the text says, knowing that his hour had come. Am I right? Not only does he face death, but he's facing departure. Because the text says that from this world and the disciples that he loves, he knows that he's getting ready to depart from the world and from the people that he loves. But not only is he facing death and departure, but he's also facing the devil. <laughs> right. Because it's in the heart, the devil is in the heart 
of one of his own. Now, it's one thing for the devil to come rolling up through somebody that you don't know or don't like. But he's facing death and departure, and now the devil through somebody that's one of his own. But he's not only facing death, departure, and the devil, he's facing his destiny. Because he sa- it says he's going to God. Am I right? In the midst of that, think about ourselves. If you and I are facing death, departure, the devil, and our ultimate destiny, what's the one message you think you would be giving? I don't know about you, but serving didn't come to my mind. (laughs) Serving in the kingdom was so essential that God wrapped in flesh at the point of which he is facing death, departure, the devil, and his destiny, he chooses to give a lesson on serving. And then he starts in verse 4, and he gives what I believe to be five points, if you will, five places that we need to be looking at. Five things that we need to do. Because the text then says, in the face of all that, verse 4, the first thing he did is he rose from supper. If we're going to serve in this present age, you and I are going to have to learn how to leave the table. We're going to have to leave the table. The Bible says that he rose from the table. Now, you have to understand the dining custom of the time. Low tables, they kind of picked it up from the Romans. They didn't, when we say left the table, you know, we typically think push your chair back and get up from the table, a high four-leg structure. But that's not what tables were like in this time. They were low tables, and the tables were formed to make three sides of a square, or what we would call maybe an open U. And so they would have the table sitting like this. This would be open so that the servant could get inside of the table and be able to serve everyone who was there. But the other thing is this. Customarily, what would happen is not only would they be seated at these low tables on these couches where they would lean on one with one arm, typically the left arm, and their legs would be put pointed to the back, so they're just kind of reclining on the floor, right? But not only that, typically what would happen in the dining experience is that the seating mattered. The person who was considered to be maybe the focal point or the most important person was typically seated at the top of, this, of, of the table in the very center, So where he was placed and the fact that he was at the table was very significant. He could have sat where he was in the place of importance and shared everything that he wanted to share, but he wouldn't be able to get the entire message through. So the first thing he does is he rises from the table. Now, obviously, we're not talking about sitting down and dining, but look at it like this, Luke 22 and 27 for your notes. It says, for who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? 
yet I am among you as the one who serves. He gets up from the place that is the place of importance. I remember one time I was having um, a meal with someone at a restaurant, a person that I know well, and the server came and didn't get the order completely right. The woman that I was with, the way she talked to the server made me very uncomfortable. It, even though she was, she, was, she was seated, meaning she was not just seated in a chair. She was seated in her heart. She talked to her as though I am the important person here. You are nothing more than a servant. And in that moment, I'd like to tell you that I had the gumption to go on and say something, but I was afraid that my words wouldn't come out right and I might spoil the entire night. Brother Willie, so I left it alone, but it kept disturbing me because it made me think, how many times do we in our hearts continue to sit at the table? Treat people like they owe us something. Look at somebody say, you got to leave the table. You and I are going to have to be willing to leave the place of seating to stand in the place of service. Something in us. Listen, every seat that is afforded to you, you should not sit in. Got to leave the table. We got to leave this attitude. We tell our son this all the time. Because you are the pastor's son, there are favors that are afforded you. But I tell him constantly and have told him throughout his life, listen to me, son, nobody has to do anything for you. I don't care who you're connected to. And sometimes we get this sense of elitism that wants to creep into us. Oh, come on, say. Sometimes we get elitism because I'm a part of this ministry and you're not. I attend this church and you don't. We're going to have to leave the table. Leave the table. But not only that, it says, he rose from supper, and the next thing it says, and laid aside his garments. If we're going to follow Jesus' lead in service, we've got to leave the table, but we've also got to lay aside our garments. And you say, Pastor, what does that mean? Garments represented a person's stations and their, and station and rights. You do know that, right? Yes. So, for instance, think back to the Old Testament. Do you remember Tamar? In the Old Testament, now I'm not talking about Braxton. Come on back, come on back. I'm talking about in the, talking about in the Bible. There was one before her. <laughs> but do you remember Tamar? She wore a coat. She wore a coat of diverse colors, a garment of diverse colors, the Bible says. That coat was significant. The reason she tore it when she was violated is because the coat represented that she was the king's virgin daughter. So once she was violated, she had to take off the garment. 
You remember blind Bartimaeus? You remember he was sitting by the robe, in his robe, and, and he was asking money, 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 alms, alms, alms. But when he got sight, he couldn't any longer keep on the robe because there was a robe that he wore said he is allowed, he has license, he is a begging vendor. You know, when you go some places, you can't just go and start asking for people to buy your stuff. You got to have a vendor's license. His robe was his license that enabled him to beg on the street. But if he got his sight, he wasn't going to be able to wear that robe anymore because it identified who he was and what he could do. You remember Jesus' purple robe when he stood before Pilate? The significance of that robe was that a king wore that garment. So even though he didn't say a word, the Bible says, he didn't have to say that he was a king because he was wearing the garment that signified who he was. When Jesus wanted to teach us a lesson on serving, he rose from the table, and then the Bible says very clearly, he then laid aside his garment he laid aside what he was wearing that signified who he was so that he might become what he was teaching us to be. You got that? So lay aside our garments. Philippians 2, 5, and 6 in the message says it like this. This will really help us to understand him laying aside his garment. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal stature and status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. We've got to be willing to lay aside our position and our rights to occupy the place of service. You know, sometimes as a leader, you have the right to be served, but every now and again, you need to put aside your right so that you can become the servant. You know, I, I had, y'all know I have a gazillion stories. Those of you who don't know me yet, well, now you know. But, you know, I, I think in pictures, so life stories help me to apply the word of God. And I, I recall so very vividly how we were having this uh, banquet. The church was very, very young. You guys, I know you've been through new member orientation. <clears throat> hint, hint. So you already know that the church started with one member other than my husband and myself. So we were, oh, we were busting out by this time. We had probably about 20 folk. We had, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had major explosion. We, we should have gotten a sign that said, you know, fastest growing church on the block because we were the only church on the block but we were having this little banquet in the in the uh office park that we were in and the people the hospitality people were serving and and pastor and i were sitting at at our table people were serving and we could see across 
a couple of tables across that somebody was waiting for some iced tea. The hospitality people were doing the very best that they could. And so he got up and he went to the table where the tea was and he poured tea in their glasses and then he came on back. Well, the people didn't know that he was the senior pastor. They figured he was part of the hospitality team. Well, when he sat back down, the people that he served got a glimpse, and later on in the program, when we got up to thank everybody for coming, we could see a little whispering back and forth between the, the ladies at the table. We later found out they were saying, those the pastors, because we had served the tea. The next Sunday, one of the ladies came back. She joined the church. And they asked her, what made you come? And you remember in New Member Orientation, we used to ask people, what was it that drew you to New Covenant? She said, I can tell you what drew me to New Covenant. I was at the banquet the other night, and I was sitting there needing something to drink. And it was the pastor that got up and served me. Said, anybody that can lay down his, his title and serve you some tea, that's the church for me. We've got to lay aside our garments. Are you hearing me? Sometimes that's kind of what I was saying to you prophetically earlier. There are some doors that are going to be open to you, not because of your skill, not because of your connections, but because you chose to lay aside your position and do what a servant does. And somebody's going to recognize you did what you didn't have to. And if you'll do what you don't have to, we know you will ultra do what you need to do. I just helped somebody on their job. Mm-hmm. That's our outside the four walls word right there. If I were you, I'd grab that, say that one's mine. So he said, leave the table, lay aside your garment. Here's the third one. Look for a towel. Because the text says he rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel. I told y'all this was going to be simple. I'm a cookies on the low shelf kind of person. He took a towel. Now, obviously, it's talking about a physical towel, a linen cloth, an apron. But the towel represents the instrument, hear me, the instrument that is best suited to meet the needs of those that we are serving. Notice I didn't say the instrument that best suits us as the server. It is the instrument that best suits the need of the person being served. He took off his garment and he picked up, he looked for a towel. Listen, this is critical because so many times in the body of Christ, we spend more time wanting somebody else's towel. I wish I could preach like Pastor Fern. I wish I could sing like Carol Ford. You stop looking for somebody else's towel and get your own. Tap somebody and say, get your own towel. Is this helping anybody? Listen, you have to use what you got available to you. I know I'm right about it. Listen, listen. see, for a sinner woman... <laughs> Her instrument of service was an alabaster box of ointment, a face full of tears, and a head full of hair. And did she not serve the Savior? 
She served him so well. He said, every time somebody picks up a holy Bible, they will hear about this woman who ministered to me and served me. She came with what she had. She didn't come in talking about, excuse me, does anyone have a white cotton towel? <laughs> Something cracking up. You saw that, didn't you, bro? <laughs> Absolutely. If we have a heart to serve God, God can turn anything into a towel. He can turn anything into a towel. But you can't spend your spend your time, all of your time looking for the towel that you like. You got to be willing to use the towel that God makes available that meets the need. See, different people respond differently. And you, you and I, you know, sometimes the problem is God wants us to serve somebody that's not in Christ. And they don't know nothing about your sanctified towel. They don't know nothing about your... They don't know nothing about that. What I know is that my heart is broken and I feel like I don't have anybody to talk to and I don't need anybody telling me what thus saith the Lord right now. I just need somebody to listen. Will you use the towel? Somebody's hungry. The towel, you can't run over there talking about, and the Lord would say unto thee. You better run over with a sandwich. I try to catch the messages from both the campuses now that we're streaming and, uh, and, and archiving them. And I got a little bit of the one, I think, from last week when uh, Mr. Willie Sapp was being interviewed. And I didn't catch everything, but talking about how did he, how did he come to the place to decide to go to the, what was the Target or the, no, eBay. eBay. Baby, that was a towel. Uh, oh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, y'all didn't come to church last week. Uh, uh, <laughs> talking about how he went, he had the thought to go on eBay and buy a bunch of coats. Now, y'all know Pastor Fern, right? You know she was, she did, you know she did, said more inside than she told on that stage <laughs> last week, right? I can only imagine what she was saying on the, I don't know, what, 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 what are you doing with all of these coats? Ain't nobody up in here can wear those. <laughs> did, I, did I get it just then? But clearly, not only his experience with his grandmother that put that in his heart, but she also put in his heart the ability to recognize that God can use anything as a towel. And you, he doesn't have to try to be somebody else. He can use what God put on the inside of him to meet a need that some of us would walk by. Is this helping? You got to look for a towel. 
The towel is not designed for you to clean yourself up. You don't look for a towel that, that you like. Oh, I need one with frills on the bottom. It, the towel is not for you. The towel is for those that we're going to serve. So the question is, God, what kind of towel do you, have you given me that will suit the needs that are standing right in front of me? Some of us need the towel of a shut mouth. Let me move on lest I meddle. <laughs> but you get my point. We've got to be willing to look for our instrument of service. Can I tell you this? Sometimes our instrument of service is not the same as our spiritual gift or our talent. It is not to say that God won't use our spiritual gifts and our talents, particularly Minister Michelle is here from the West Campus, and she taught uh, shape in the month of May. Spiritual, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personalities, and our experiences, and how all of those things shape us for God to use us. So I'm not saying that he doesn't use that, but what I am saying is we can't close our minds to the place to say, this is what you can use, God, and that's it. You, you follow? He can use anything he wants to use. All we have to do is say, God, show me the appropriate towel for this situation. Yeah. So we've got to leave the table. We've got to lay aside our garment. We've got to look for a towel. Here's the fourth one. We've got to let God use you. Let God use you. Where do you see that? In verse 5, it says, After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Jesus performed the, medial, the menial task that was reserved for the lowest servant. But notice this, if we're not careful, we'll run past this. Jesus served the disciples equally, even though one of them was a traitor. You got to let God use you. You and I don't get to say who we serve. If you live a little while like I have, Baby, if you just let, if you would just live a little while, I'm telling you, God will put you in situations where he will use you where you never wanted to go. I didn't say never thought you'd go. I said never wanted to go. He will have you minister. I'll talk about me. There was someone who made some terribly disparaging comments about me. And it hurt me to my heart. In the church, I laid in my bed and I cried. I went over it in my mind. You know how you just keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it? Oh, I was so hurt. And then I was reading my Bible. After a while, I woke up. The Bible was all on my face. It was all crumpled up and every. I had fell asleep with the Bible all over me. Stuff had fallen all out the Bible, bro. Everything on the bed, stuff had fallen on the side. I was so hurt. Man, I was hurt. 
And she left, and I was like, okay. Well, praise God for that. And sometime later, something hit her life. And she showed back up. And I shall never forget the day that she showed back up because I was preaching. And when I finished, she came up and she hugged me, talking about how God had blessed her through that word and had really healed her heart. And she has turned to be a real sweetheart. Everything in me wanted to say, I know you may not know this, but I know what you said. Everything in me wanted to say it. I, I know y'all think that us pastors, we don't go through anything and, and we just sit around and eat bonbons and read the Bible and pray and speak in tongues all day long. I know that's what you think. I know you think that when we say yes to Jesus, there are no more problems. But I'm here to declare to you that folks get on our nerves just like they get on y'all's nerves. And sometimes y'all are the ones that get on our nerves. Everything in me wanted to say, I have forgiven you, but I need you to know how you wounded me, how you hurt me, you lied on me. Everything in me wanted to. But the Holy Ghost said, hold her, pray for her, Love her and get over it so you can serve her. You got to let God use you. Because you and I, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how many times you pray. You and I are flesh. And without God using us, we will feel like we need to sit back down at the table and get a couple of things straight. What I have been able through God now, not me, through God, what I have been able to do in her life now is immeasurably more than I ever imagined. I just wanted to get to the place where we could come together and talk so I could tell her some things. And God has literally created a relationship now where I wasn't trying to have no relationship. I just wanted to have a conversation. Is this helping anybody? Somebody might have to go home and make a phone call to the very ones that hurt us. You got to let God use you. Because Jesus served equally 
You and I don't get to choose. We've got to, if we're going to serve, if we're going to follow Jesus in service, we're going to have to serve whenever, wherever, and whomever he sends. And he'll come for that word. He'll come for that word. He'll come for that word. The, the, the louder you amen in the service, he'll come for that one. That one right there. He'll say, oh, yeah. Uh-huh, you heard that, you heard that, you heard that, uh-huh, you heard that on June the 11th, right. Uh-huh, you know that person that you can't get along with at work? I'm sending you there this week to serve them. The, you, oh, you, oh, oh, you know them. It, it was the one who took the job that you were supposed to get. Yeah, you're going to serve them because you're going to train them. And you're going to train them good. You're going to train them so well, they're going to get another promotion. Somebody said, let God use you. I'm, I'm at my last point. I'm at my last point because it, I don't know, it's looking a little sad now, girl. It's, it's looking like we got to run on out. We're my drivers. I, I got a few people from the West Campus. Get the car rolling. Get the car rolling. Get the car rolling. Get it the only thing that's helping me is I know Pastor Fern ain't going to let nobody run up on me. <laughs> Little bit got my back. But so she don't have to fight too hard, y'all get the car started. So what did we say? If we're going to follow Jesus' lead in service, the first thing we got to do is leave the table. The second thing we've got to do is lay aside our garments. The third thing we've got to do is look for the towel. The fourth thing we've got to do is let God use us. And here's the last thing. We've got to learn the lessons of serving. We've got to learn the lessons of serving. Because if we stop right there in verse 5, we miss the whole thing. Because in verses 3 through 5, he gives the demonstration. He models. And then in verse 12, bro, he comes back and he teaches what he's modeled. That's why I love Jesus. He's a consummate teacher. He demonstrates first, and then he comes back and he tells you what he taught you when he was doing what he was doing. And so the real lessons are in 12 through 17, because he says in 12, so he said, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, he puts his stuff back on, he sits down again, he says to them, now do you know what I have done to you? And when that word know there isn't a cerebral assent, it literally means do you understand? Do you comprehend what I have done? I know you think that this is just a matter of your feet being clean now, but this has nothing to do with cleaning your feet. As a matter of fact, dare I say this, I, I, I have no problem with foot washing. Here, let me, let me preface it by saying this. I have no problems at all with uh, the exercise of foot washing in the church. I think it's a beautiful thing. But I don't believe that Jesus was seeking to institute um, a literal practice that we observe continually in the church. I think what he was doing was showing the, was being, exercising the concern that we would understand true servanthood. Are you understanding me? So it, it isn't, ain't nothing in the, it, there's nothing in the feet and there's nothing in the water. 
It's all, he just used that as a demonstration. That, can I just throw this in as an aside? That's why we got to be careful um, instituting things in the church and acting as though they are doctrine. That's all I'm going to say about it because, you know, I'm tempted to go further. But there's a whole lot of stuff that we do in churches that we speak of as law when they, it, it wasn't designed to be doctrine. It was designed to be Ill demonstration. Come on, stretch your hand. Say, Pastor, go on, go on. Say, they say, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, uh -uh, Pastor Fern over there. So I'm going to stay there. <laughs> we got to go. We got to go. But look at here. He says, do you not understand? Here are the lessons. Three simple, three simple lessons. Verse uh, 13, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Again, not doctrine. What he's saying here is, here's the first lesson. We're not above serving others. Nobody's too big to serve. He's saying, I am your Lord. If I can do this for you, don't ever think that you're too big to do this, not this act, but to do what it represents, serve others. All right? Then he goes on and he says in verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So not only are we not, uh, we, we're not above serving others, but we're not without a model for serving others. We can't say, I don't know how to serve others. Do you realize that we are born selfish? We're born selfish. I'm not going to talk about nobody's children in particular. <laughs> but you know, when children are little... What's the first, one of the first things they learn how to say? Mine. And please don't do like me and have one child. Because then they don't feel like they need to share even with their parents. It's because it's, uh, we, we're naturally selfish. It's all about me. So he's saying we're, nobody is above serving, first of all. And then secondly... You can't say that we don't have a model for doing it. I don't serve because I don't know how to serve. That's why, uh-oh. That's why there's no excuse in the church for there to be a shortage of nothing. Well, we, you know we can't do too much in the children's ministry because we don't have enough workers. You know we, oh, y'all got silent on me. Did I hit something? Uh-oh. Y'all know I don't worship out here. I don't know nothing. Ain't nobody called me, but I think I just hit something. If that's the case, that's, that's criminal right there. Well, I, you know I come to get mine. I got to be in the service so I can get my shout on. Well, take your shout in there with them children at least one week so that the babies can shout too. Mm-hmm. Say, say it, Pastor. There you go. 
So we're not above serving others. We're not without a model for serving others. And look at this. Here's the very last one. He says, if you know, 16, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, look at this. He says, if you know these things, notice the construction of the sentence. If you know these things, he could have said, blessed are you. And that would have been a full sentence, wouldn't it? If you know these things, if you get the lesson, you're blessed. But that's not what he said. He said, if you know these things, if you understand and comprehend what I modeled for you, if you grasp that in your, not just your mind, but in your heart, what should happen is there should be an activation. And when it activates itself, then you're going to be blessed. So he lets us know very clearly that we're blessed when we serve others. The blessing is not just in knowing that we should serve. The blessing is when we actually do it. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.